This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Once again, we are working through a book called The Great Dechurching. Who's leaving? Why are they going? And what will it take to bring them back? Um, It was a book written in 2023 by Jim Davis and Michael Graham and Ryan Berge. And we um, are fascinated by the topic. We, We... I think I can speak for the guys in the room. We don't necessarily agree with all of their solutions, but we we do want to take time because we're dealing with such a large number of people. We're talking 40 million people that used to go to church and now are not. And so we're trying to figure out, okay, why did they leave? Where are they going? And what is there to do about it? And so we're in that first part of, you know, why are they leaving? What's going on? What What's the landscape in which we're trying to to enter into and we were hopefully we're doing it in such a way that's not so slow and methodical that we're losing you um, but we want to make sure that you, as we get to the later part of the book it makes sense there's a context in which where you you understand it they quote in the book a historian daniel williams and he is doing some work and and concerned about a rising secular right and a secular right that he believes is marked by hyper-individualism, law and order, insensitive racial attitudes, cynicism towards institutions, anti-abortion, and libertine positions on sexuality. And then here's the quote. It says, For decades, many pundits have warned about the political dangers of a Southern Christian right that was intent on blurring the boundaries of church and state. But whatever those dangers might have been perhaps the greatest threat to democracy in the South right now is a de-churched populist right that is just as angry about efforts to correct racial injustice and even more individualistic. Whether we call it evangelical or simply Southern populist, this (coughs) post-church Southern Protestant right is not going to go away just because the Southern Baptist Convention loses members. In fact, it's likely to become stronger than ever. And the authors of the book say this in response to William's quote The rise of those dechurching on the secular right will reshape not just the Southern Baptist Convention, but all denominations, especially among evangelical. This dynamic will not just impact churches, denominations, and networks, but will also continue to remake communities, culture, and country. Okay. Is this overreach? Are they correctly assessing the the moment in which we live? What are your thoughts? What are your experiences um, that relate to the, what they're saying? Well, I think he, what he's describing here is is a Christianity devoid of Christ or devoid of Christian love as our as our ethic and practice. It's devoid of gospel. So it's a mission and a community without a gospel, and that 
that can become a very dangerous thing as it moves farther right. And we can look at just the last hundred years in world history to see what happens when that when those values that he described in his quote begin to take shape devoid of the the gospel of, of Christ. So I think it, for me personally, I, I've got some friends in the northern part of our state who struggle with this, who struggle with folks who are, who are hard right um, politically and socially and have left the church um, but begin to critique or, or or influence their their Christian friends toward this direction um, because there's a there's a similarness to the morality but just an extreme different in disposition and attitude. Other thoughts on that? What you know, I think that uh, you know a phrase that gets thrown around is Christian nationalism, yeah. and there's a certain you know that's what. That's what whether it's whether it was from the moral majority, whether it's from the Bible Belt, whether it's you know from Northern Idaho or whatever this Christian nationalism, and that I, you know we're concerned with with uh, the real mission, which is the gospel, which is uh, making a nation of Christians, uh, you know, bringing them to the good news. In fact, gospel means good news, and I do think that. So many churches get involved with uh, with uh, the uh, maybe a tertiary issue here, and and that and you can almost ask, is that good news? You you heard the, mm-hmm. you heard the preaching, you heard that. Was there any good news there, or just did it uh, tell me do x x x or the world is this this this? Where was the good news? Where was the redemptive part of the message there that uh, Christ came? into the world for the purpose of saving sinners. And that doesn't mean that some of the things that are listed that we're not concerned about. Absolutely. Right. And, and so we want to be clear on that, but we're not, we are not those that believe that we're trying to create a Christian nation. We, we are those. A nation that, of Christians. It's a, yes. it's a mission field, not a battlefield. Yes. Right? And, that, and I think that the, you know, what, when you're talking about these people who leave, who are become, quote unquote, the religious right, and, the, and really the cultural, cultural right or the cultural left, whichever <clears throat> one, they made it into a battlefield, a battlefield of opinion rather than a, than a mission field of, Bringing people to Christ and having them transform lives, you know, because we were to take every thought captive to the knowledge of Christ. We're to uh, live transformed lives because of what He did, and uh, not because I'm going to force other people to have a transformed life that have no Christ. Yeah, I think this is moral, moral coercion, or excuse me, uh, moral alignment through physical or political coercion. Mm-hmm. That is not the way of the kingdom. Yeah. If you think of, mm-hmm. I think of Matthew thirteen <clears throat> describes Jesus. Uh, Jesus gives us these parables to describe how the kingdom will grow, and it's always subversive, and it's always small, right. and then has greater influence over time and effort. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read quite a bit from what the authors are are saying in response to some of this that relates to this whole idea of that it's a mission field, not a battlefield. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to just want you guys to respond to uh, a whole host of things here um, so you can pick and choose what you want. Um, the authors are going to then assert this, this, this kind of working premise. American culture and society are not just polarizing, but fracturing. Mm-hmm. The country is increasingly partisan and politically polarized. 
There is a significant erosion of centrist Americans. This dynamic has complete complex roots, but it's clear that there's also a decreased trust in a wide array of institutions. I'm going to just pause and just insert something here real quickly. When I used to teach American government, we, we used to talk about the political lands, landscape and the different um, political parties, and we talked about what it meant to be a conservative, what it meant to be a liberal, but then we talked about Republicans and Democrats. Back when I was teaching in the late 90s and the early 2000s, what I would say to them is most Republicans and most Democrats are actually very, very similar in their beliefs. Mm-hmm. I could not teach mm-hmm. that today. That We're talking just a little over 15 years ago, I would have been saying those comments. Mm-hmm. I can't even say that anymore. So I'm going to just throw out there that there is no, there are very little centrist Americans left in the political realm. So that's my little anecdotal thing. So they go on to say, it only makes sense that the fracturing of American culture and society and the erosion of American institution has also caused spill into the into the pews. Cultural, societal, ideological, and experiential factors are rapidly and radically sorting American culture and society. And they give, for example, just bring up things like Trump, January 6th, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, COVID, gun control, Me Too, sexual identity, any one of these, and see the polarization that has occurred. This is true replacement theology. This is, you know, whether it's secular left or secular right, this is a replacement of theology, you know, Hmm. and where are we putting our functional trust? And they're putting their functional trust in, uh, in government manipulations and other things. I mean, they, you know, they, they've lost the message of the Bible in, in one sense. And, I, you know, one example, crazy example of this is, you know, what was it, last year, you know, there, there was a, a prayer breakfast. This Republican uh, congresswoman goes to that, and, and she, she says, says she made it to the prayer breakfast because uh, she, she didn't engage her fiancé in the bedroom that day. And she said it in a different way, but, uh, you know, everybody laughed and that. And then she, then she goes on, uh, you know, she realizes her faux pas later. She says, well, I go to church because I'm, I'm a sinner, not a saint. Well, church, you know, we're called to be saints. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't just show, yes, we acknowledge we're all sinners, you know, but she's, she's, lost, the, she's lost the message you know, and really all she's engaged in is a functional trust that we conservatives know how to run government better than everybody else. And as we look at this polarization and fracturing, how do you see this playing out in even church relationships with um, family members? How do you see this in just different perspectives on the role of church in society? Well, I think Maybe there, we've talked about like going down a road and there's two ditches you can fall on. And, and I think one one ditch you can fall on is to make all of these uh, social factors or topics that you just listed main issues in your church. And you set up either an echo chamber for those who agree with you or you set up a battle royale for which Christians have the right opinion on this. I, I think during during COVID, we saw a ton of that where the pulpit was overtaken by cultural issues and political topics rather than maintaining and it divided the church inside the church inside Mm -hmm. the church and i think that that that's a a huge people that ordinarily would have gotten along right on those issues got upset absolutely so 
for me, I, I think the, the, the antidote is, is actually to continue to, to maybe it's an obvious one, but to continue to preach the biblical truth that informs the mind so that we might think the way Christ thinks. Then when we sit down to discuss whatever these issues are, we can have rational and reasonable debate and understand what the, what the Christian understanding based in light of the scripture would be. Some pulpits have like a little sign in the pulpit that says, sir, we would have Jesus. And I think that fracturing and the polarization, the church has fallen into that in that it's, um, I think it's made America and the idea of America, the hope rather than Christ. And we need to, America is not God's country. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm glad we're all sitting down. Um, Nations will rise and fall. And I mean, we're to pray for the well-being of our nation, pray for the well-being of our leaders. But our hope is not America. Our hope isn't, wasn't England. It wasn't Germany, wherever we're from. Um, Our hope is Christ. And our churches need to have that as a focus and not political maneuvering. And I think it's important, like some people will say, well, all of these things are gospel issues. Mm-hmm. And and really what you need to be careful of is if everything's the gospel, then nothing is. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't Republican or Democrat. And and so we can say that the gospel has implications for all of life. Right. But we can't substitute these issues as if they are the gospel themselves. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that we you know, we can teach a biblical worldview but we have to show people Christ mm-hmm. you know in, in the process of doing that there are there is a biblical worldview and it will result in certain conclusions that you make but the gospel is the lord jesus christ and i think we have to be careful in showing other people what what actually is the most important thing in our life yeah i mean does the gospel excite us more than any other thing or do the the positions on these other issues that we listed before cause us the most excitement and get us all worked up and 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 motivated Mm -hmm. well we'll continue this in the days to come thanks for listening we'll see you then